Welcome to another episode of the PA High School Football Report. My name is Jana Bensford, and I'm alongside my colleague, Eric Epler. It's been a wet couple of days here in central Pennsylvania. We're trying to wring ourselves out, uh, hopefully for a dry few days for some good football. And if you had some games scheduled this week, hopefully you got them in. So how are you doing, Ep? How are things going for you? What are we looking at? I'm doing pretty well, Jana. How is your Friday? It's we're only hours away from week five football. Hard to believe it's week five already. Right. Midpoint of the regular season. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, Janet, we will talk to Boiling Springs head coach Brad Zell. Uh, coach Zell was gracious enough uh, to give us some time this week to talk about Coach Tim Rimp. For those who haven't heard, Coach Rimple passed away this week at the age of 73. To say that Coach was a legend is really an understatement. He was beloved by so many. He helped so many, um, and not just coaches, his players, um, great family man. But we thought it was important to kind of talk to some, talk to a guy like Coach Zell, um, who actually was lucky enough to have Tim on his staff when he got the job uh, four years ago at Boiling Springs. And, of course, Coach Zell was a former CV assistant. So we will bring him on in about 10 minutes. Sounds good. Yeah, Um it's a sad subject to discuss, but I find that those types of individuals, those coaches, you know, they inspire hundreds, if not thousands of people and influence them in their, in their lifetime. So it's, it's, it's great that you've had that opportunity to have that interview and um, looking forward to hearing what um, coach had to say. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, uh, we coach Dell and I had actually talked a few times the past couple of years, obviously, um, you know, coach Renful South was deteriorating. Um, but you know, when you look at the coaching tree too, just, just that, just that one part about such a great man that coach Renfro was, I mean, there's probably, I think there's four head coaches now in the mid pen that all worked under, um, um, coach Renfro. Uh, there's a couple in college and there's a couple that are scattered around the country who are actually coaching high school football that learned from Tim Renfro. And that's just, that's just a small part. Uh, of what he meant to this community. So we'll talk to Coach Shell and, and get some more stories about the, about Coach Tim. Sounds good. Okay, so we're going to pivot right away, and we're going to get into the subject of PIAA officials. Uh, just for on background, I have been a PIAA official in field hockey since 2015, and this year I am inactive uh, for reasons of covering sports and covering field hockey. But um, in light of a recent announcement made by the PIAA about a week and a half ago, where they are requiring officials who want to be considered to officiate referee state championship games and inter-district games that they have to be fully vaccinated by the time of playoffs. Um, Just so that we're all on the same page, we obviously know that this subject came about because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Delta variant, uh, but I'd like to start things off by just addressing a statement that was provided to me by Melissa Mertz, an associate executive director at the PIAA. Um, This Information can also be found if anyone is interested on the PIAA's website in their meeting minutes or a version of it, um, just so uh, you want to look at that for your records. But according to it, it reads, across the state, schools have had to shut down athletic programs and games have been canceled. We do not want to be the reason a tournament is negatively affected. 
I think it's important to reiterate that we are not requiring PIAA registered officials to get vaccinated. We are simply going to use that as a part of our selection process of championship officials so that we can take one more step in the direction of reducing possible contamination or spread. The PIAA Sports Medicine Advisory Committee unanimously recommended that student athletes, coaches, and officials that are vaccine eligible get vaccinated. This is also supported by the National Federation of State High Schools. So in response to that, I wanted to find out what officials were saying. And I reached out to both men's and women's uh, district chairs throughout the state and uh, not surprisingly got a uh, mixed review. Um, The views of central Pennsylvania officials differ from those in the Northeast, as well as from those in Western Pennsylvania. And because this is the PA High School Football Report, I'm going to speak specifically to what officials here said. And obviously, it's going to be those who are opposing it, because those who are in favor, um, you know, they they don't really have much pushback. Um, But those who are against it think that, you know, the most pressing point of view that they're sharing with me is that their points of view aren't being honored and that their privacy isn't being respected. So there are a number of number of officials saying that um, they believe the PIAA is possibly walking the line of HIPAA violations. And at the same time, they are also saying that they're not anti-vax. They're certainly not saying that they don't want to protect student athletes. Um, But the confusion is really about like, why now? Why was it week three that the PIAA advisory board made this determination with or without the variant, meaning the Delta variant that many officials believe since they are contracted employees in the PIAA that they're meeting the standards of having a proper uniform and they have to adhere to going to uh, meetings. So I, I am inactive right now, but if I'm recalling this correctly, I believe you have to attend six meetings every season to go over situation and rules. Um, but they're they're ascribing to all these rules, they're following them and their remaining active status. So they're also officiating during a pandemic. So they're under they're they're wondering why they aren't being pulled. Why aren't you starting with them and asking them what their thoughts are uh, for the fall season? So they're the ones who are following the rules to uphold the rules and without them, there are no games is what they're saying. So 18 months ago, there wasn't a vaccine but there were mitigation efforts that were working to stave off the spread. The officials are saying that uh, they believe the PIAA should give them the option to use all the tools in the toolbox um, for those who want to officiate at the championship level for the state games, Um, which means like, why not include testing 24 to 48 hours prior, wearing masks, socially distancing. And if you're vaxxed, that's great. But there are some individuals who feel that their personal liberties, like they feel like they are being threatened. Um, So that's what they are telling me. They're saying that um, they're still considering being vaxxed, but they're waiting and watching. And the reason why is that some are saying religious reasons and others are saying that they've had their health system compromised before. And so they're not certain they're convinced that this is the right option for them. Um, I mean, this isn't shocking. It's not breaking news. It's a discussion that's being had in the private sector, in the public sector, in medical institutions, as well as in education. Um, But these officials, of course, are saying they don't want to wear the label of being the reason why COVID is spreading. So uh, but they are pointing out that if it's that much of a pressing issue, why wasn't something that was addressed to them prior to the season? 
as you know, everyone is watching the numbers of the COVID vaccine fluctuate, or sorry, not the COVID vaccine, the COVID uh, pandemic fluctuate. So um, if it's that important, then why not require all officials to be vaccinated before the start of the season? Um, so there are some people who are predicting that there is a potential of a max exodus of officials if this becomes an overall requirement going forward. Uh, I think some people just want some more time. And of course, it's very divisive, but there are people who are saying, you know, if I have these specific reasons, I don't want to be vaccinated, then they therefore feel like they are being discriminated against. And it's all coming down to championship games. Yeah, I, for me, for me, Jan, this thing is a, this is an issue about timing. Um, I understand the push to do it by a week three or week four, because as we talked about a little bit uh, prior to the podcast was basically you need that six week window to get your vaccination. So if you're thinking about it, if you're on the fence, uh, obviously you need, you need a month in between jabs. If, if you're going for the non single one, I believe there is a single shot. J is a single shot, but you do need 14 days after your second jab. If it's anything else, uh, to be have that fully, you know, that the full brunt of the vaccination. But I do agree that this Delta variant, which is now what we're protecting against, you know, was very, very um, uh, um, visible uh, er, early in the summer. And this was a, this could have been a contingency. This could have been something that when you mentioned about polling the associations, obviously, most people might not know that, you know, every area in the state has their own organization. Capital area officials, Erie has their own officials, Pittsburgh has their own official associations or groups. This could have been something that could have been discussed as a as a possible contingency or as a possibility weeks and weeks and weeks ago that this may be coming down the line. So for me, the timing of this doesn't make a ton of sense. And everybody knows that everybody's pushing to get the vaccine, to get the vaccine. Um, so it's not it's not surprising that the Sports Medical Advisory Committee comes out and says we want, you know, we want to use only vaccinated officials. That's not surprising. But it did surprise these official organizations. And that is a problem, especially for a profession that's fighting for these guys. I mean, we see it every week. These games are being pushed to Thursdays and Saturdays because there's a right. there's a shortage of officials, and now you now you potentially um, threaten to lose more if they decide if, if officials decide it's just not worth it. So I, I don't know where the discussion goes from here. I know I've heard I've heard backlash myself uh, about this, um, and again they're not they're not asking for proof. The PIAA is not asking for proof. Uh, but they are saying basically if you lie about it and you get caught, there could be, you know, there there could be serious penalties, like I guess losing your PIAA card um, and not being able to officiate at all. I don't know. But, yeah, for me, this is just, it's a strange timing issue here uh, uh, for this. And um, I'm not, well, being I'm not quite sure. That's, I'm sorry, that what? Being week three, that makes sense. You would, um, you know, that kind of catches them off guard. Well, when they yeah, found out. It, it caught. I did. It did catch them off guard. It really did because there was nothing. There was no. The transparency wasn't there before. And like I said, I think this could have been addressed, like you mentioned, prior to the season, weeks be prior to the season. That this is something that may be coming down the line. 
And then you don't catch people off guard in week three. So I can see where the backlash is coming from. And I can see obviously the, the reasoning for, for some of these officials to, uh, to question why this is and why it's happening now. I mean, I know last year, obviously we had PIAA championships. We had PIAA bracket tournament um, last year when we did, I, I guess it was just in the, vaccine. Of the vaccine, right? Vaccine right. was in January. Maybe is that a, is that about right? The rollout, yeah. The rollout began January, February, and it right. was uh, yeah. So it went to uh, elderly first in Pennsylvania, you know, and it seemed like the masks worked. <laughs> um, so you could go that route again too. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of more discussion on this topic, uh, especially in the coming weeks, because obviously, inner districts basically you're looking at week twelve when that starts, and we're we're running into week five right now. So that's when it all begins. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll probably hear some more about it going forward, but the, the science of it is still not even determined yet. You can be fully vaccinated and still contract COVID or be a right. carrier or have the Delta variant or the original strain. So I think that, you know, until there is just some more clarity for some people who are uncomfortable with possibly having gone through something once before medically, that they're just not quite ready to trust a shot yet. And there are other people who are like committed. And I mean, that conversation has been very tense ever since its rollout began. And I don't see that conversation ending anytime soon, but hearing what they have to say about being included because they're paying their dues um, and they're, they're putting in the work and suddenly you're not allowed to, for this reason, you know, it would be nice to hear what else I guess other officials have to say, being one of them uh, to be pulled and being included. Um, of course, again, like I'm inactive, but I think that a lot of people would like to just have a conversation about it and then, you know, move forward from there. But uh, is this the is this the determinant going forward that all um, officials are now going to have to be vaccinated after playoffs? Um, I guess that's something to do to be determined. Yeah, I think more information rather than just a broad statement saying this is what we've come up with is is always valuable, always valuable. And certainly in this situation, it is. All right. So um, at, we uh, we will get a chance now to catch up, have you have your conversation with Coach Brad Zell, head coach at Boiling Springs to remember a really uh, giant coaching titan in the Mid-Pen Conference. Let's check it out. All right, we're catching up with uh, fourth year. It's a fourth year head coach of uh, Boiling <laughs> Springs, Brad Zell. I say that, coach, because does it seem like four years already? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we just started. Exactly. Uh, Brad Zell, head coach of Boiling Springs. Um, coach, three and one on the season so far. Young season, lots of uh, football to go here in the regular season. Uh, how are things overall uh, with the bubblers? I would say we're, we're where we want to be. Um, you know, last week was a challenge we weren't uh, expecting, but uh, we didn't shy away from it either. So um, pretty happy with the way things went. Obviously, we could have had another play or two that would have made it better, but um, we competed, which is all I want. And um, we learned a lot from Friday night. So I would say we're, uh, we're right where we want to be. That's what I was good. My next question, Coach, was obviously goes down as a loss, but you've had very uh, a precious few hours to sort of prepare for Mechanicsburg with their game got decked 
um, with Northern. And um, you guys, you know, obviously accepted the challenge. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta believe it's hard. It's hard as a sort of coaching staff to kind of um, not only get it, set a set a new game plan in motion, but obviously get your guys up to speed in a very limited amount of time. You mentioned the positives. What were some of the positives you take away from that? Uh, some of the positives would be, I think we proved to our guys that we're not afraid to play anybody. Um, we're not afraid of a challenge. Uh, you know, uh, a, a good 5A team, a playoff 5A team. And, and uh, you know, it came down to one play. Uh, so a lot of positives. Um, you know, the thing that, that I've talked most with our guys about this week is, um, had we have won or, or, you know, played a different team, we, we may not have seen some of, uh, some of the things we need to fix. Um, so we've made a lot of changes since Friday night, uh, good changes. Uh, you know, we found a lot of things that we can improve on and, uh, I think we're going to come out of that much better. Coach, obviously, um, we're talking with Bowling Springs head coach Brad Zell. And, Coach, one of the things, um, obviously, we love talking football with you. Um, but more importantly, uh, this week, we, we really wanted to have you on to kind of honor, uh, I mean, easily one of the state's most successful and beloved head coaches in Tim Rimfel. Uh, for those who don't know, um, the man who gave 43 seasons. I mean, that, that's just an astronomical number in itself. Um 43 seasons to coaching, including the last 24 Cumberland Valley. Coach Tim Riffle passed away this week at the age of 73. Um, obviously, Coach, I know you and he, uh, you were great friends uh, with Coach Riffle and his family. Um, I think you would consider yourself lucky enough uh, to be on Coach Riffle's staff for many years at Cumberland Valley. I mean, how are you? Fa- how, how are you and your family doing? Uh, well, you know, I, I said to somebody today. Um, you know, as, as much as I loved Coach, uh, uh, we, we can't forget about Liz and and, and his girls, uh, Katie and Callie, who he loved to death. Um, so, you know, uh, we got to remember them first, um, keep them in our prayers. And they lost a husband and a dad. And, um, you know, he, he was a great football coach, but he was he was pretty darn good at those things, too. Um, so uh, just trying to make sure everybody gets a, a, a full view of, of who Tim Rimfel really was um, on the field and off. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not sure you find a better person um, yeah. in my opinion. Now uh, my opinion is probably skewed because of, of uh, you know, what I thought of Tim and, and how I uh, respected him. Um, but you would be hard pressed to find a better man. Well, I think the word respect would be in, in everybody's, uh, minds about coach Rimfel. I, I know obviously I had the utmost respect for him uh, as a quote unquote working relationship with him for, <laughs> for, you know, 20, yes. 25 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll give you my quick, uh, how I was introduced to coach Rimfel. Um as an eighth grader, a couple of us young bucks who were coming into the Bishop McDevitt system and wanted to kind of make an impression on, uh, on coach coming in, we would go obviously in the summer, um, before our freshman year and would lift weights. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been to old McDevitt, uh, on eight twelve market, yep. or, I'm sorry, on market street. Yep. Been there in the bowels of Tracy hall, basically, uh, about <laughs> two stories beneath Tracy hall was our weight room. And it was basically a dust bowl 
it, it, it shouldn't have been, it was, should have been condemned years before, <laughs> but that was our weight room. There was an old swimming pool down there that had all kinds of secret stories about why it was closed and never used again in the seventies. But anyway, um, we were lifting and I had forgotten to, uh, secure a 45 pound, you know, um, plate. Yeah. Plate. And as, as it was sliding off to my left coach was walking into the weight room. He didn't know, obviously didn't know me from Adam didn't know, you know, and it near the plate nearly smashed his foot. So, so I got a good, I got a good old ribbon yell at yelling at, and he didn't know who he was yelling at at yeah. the time at all. But, um, but that was my introduction to him, but obviously flash, you know, flash forward to um, years later. I mean, he, he just, he was a tremendous human being, a tremendous coach. You and I had multiple times over the past couple of years to talk about sort of his, you know, sort of his failing health over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never really get prepared uh, for losing somebody that's meant so, so much to you in so many ways and to countless others. What are some of the, just, you know, if you can, uh, some of the memories, the best memories uh, that you have uh, of him, whether it's on or off the field? <clears throat> Well, um, you know, one would be uh, uh, my first interactions with him uh, were a phone call on a Sunday night. Um, and uh, he just says to me, you know, introduces himself. Hey, uh, I hear you want to coach football. And, you know, we talk for about 10 minutes and he's like, OK, well, we start tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, here I am, a, a, you know, a, a very new teacher at Cumberland Valley. I had played at Carlisle. You know, I'm not really in the CV family yet. And uh, didn't really matter to him. You know, he just took me under his wing from that first day and, and uh, taught me a lot. Um, and then uh, my first day as the freshman head coach, uh, we went out, you know, we're at home. I'm a little nervous. It's my first day as a head coach. And we stretch on the wrong end of the field. And um, he, it did not go well. Uh, <laughs> to say the least, I'm not sure I can exactly repeat exactly what he said, but, uh, I basically had messed up years and years of tradition in one day. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about a lot of these stories and <clears throat> just, uh, the fun that we had, um, you know, going to clinics and in the coach's office and, and the friendship that he and I were able to build over the years and so many stories, um, he would like to tell this story about me often. Uh, I am not a fan of blood. And uh, years ago we had, we were in the weight room and uh, when, when we tested at Cumberland Valley coach would sit on a chair and he would watch every squat that every kid did. And we're watching a kid squat and he put the weight down on his hand and it basically popped the finger, part of his finger right off the end. And uh, I, I tapped coach you know, I'm sitting right next to him. And I said, coach, coach, we, and I passed out right on the floor. <laughs> and so he loved to tell that story because he said, I didn't wake him up. I didn't worry about him until we got, you know, the player taken care of. And he's like, Zell, you're really no help to me. Um, you know, so uh, that was one, one little story that he would tell if you asked him to tell a story, because he loved to, to yeah. kind of rib me, to rib me for that. Um, and he may or may not have told that story and, front of about 300 people one time um so uh you know just those relationships that you have um with people like that and and all of the stories there's you know 
we could talk for hours um, yeah. about about coach. Um, but those are just a few of the the ones that stand out to me. Yeah, he he didn't have a quirky side or a funny side on the sidelines, but uh, once you got to know him and you got to get him one on one, sometimes in his office, sometimes in mm-hmm. the weight room, he'd say, "Yeah, meet me in the weight room, five minutes." You know, and I yes. meet him, and you know, he he had a real he had a really good sense of humor. Yes, he and did. We, we routinely uh, originally we used to razz him. Uh, some of the writers too, obviously, uh, you know, my colleagues, Rod Frisco, Andy Shea, those two guys, I, I learned a lot from in regards to high school football. And uh, we used to raz obviously the vaunted wing tee. You couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> talk, you couldn't talk about Cumberland Valley without the vaunted wing tee offense. And we would, we would sort of raz him a little bit about mm-hmm. that, about being the archaic offense and coach uh-huh. everyone's going to the spread now. Why are you still running this crazy wing tee? But in the same breath, we would always say, listen, no one runs it better in the mm-hmm. state. We're completely convinced of that. And the fact that he keeps racking up 10, 11, 12 wins a season. Yes. Yep. Uh, obviously, no one did it better and 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 yep. handled it better uh, <laughs> than he did. He, he it was it was great. We had a great banter about that. That was yes. That was one of the things that I I will always remember. Well, um, and it, and it didn't stop there. Um, <laughs> the first my first year at uh, Boiling Springs, um, <clears throat> obviously Tim came out of retirement to be on the staff, and we had just beaten Steel High in overtime on a two point conversion. Um, you know, we're all excited and, you know, everybody's happy and we get in the coach's office and he goes, uh, Hey Brian, can we talk? I was like, sure. He goes, so in your version of the wing T, um, you know, and I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> in my version, right. my version is your version. Um, and, uh, you know, we get, we, we laughed about that all the time. Cause he was like, well, clearly in your version of the wing T, the belly is not quite as important as it was in mine. Um, but again, just his way of, of teaching me, uh, you know, letting me know that I wasn't doing it exactly right. Exactly. Well, I think, I think actually coach Whitehead, who obviously was on staff, uh, yes. for a long time uh you guys worked together and then mike of course took over at Cumberland valley mm-hmm. um how i gotta imagine coach too um when when he agreed to help you out um to sign on to be an assistant coach at boiling springs as a first year head coach obviously not you were very seasoned as a as a football coach uh 17 years you know at Cumberland valley as an mm-hmm. assistant. but Taking over at Boiling Springs in 2018, I got to imagine um, him being part of your coaching staff was not only good for you, but obviously just a tremendous thing for the entire program. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I've had many people say to me, um, you know, when you came here, we, we had some questions. You hadn't had any head coaching experience. And then you bring Tim Rumpf along. Um, and, and it instantly gives your program some credibility. Um, when someone like that walks through the door and, and, you know, we laughed because, you know, Tim had been retired for a few years. Um, and some of those guys at Boiling Springs, most of the players didn't really know who he was or, excuse me, didn't know him by name. Um, but their dads did. And, uh, you know, like it, it didn't take long before, uh, you know, kids are coming in like, Hey, my dad said, blah, blah, blah. Or my dad said this. And I was like, yeah, it's all true. 
you know, like you gotta be, you know, we're extremely lucky, um, to have him, to have him here. Um, and you know, I was, I was telling the, the seniors and juniors last night, um, we talked a little bit about coach cause those were the guys that were there when he was there, um, the first two years. And, uh, I said to him, you know, he was just as proud of you guys. You know, I had been visiting him for, for weeks. Um, and, uh, whenever I went to see him, he was always decked out in his bubbler gear, right. <laughs> um, which, uh, w- which made us happy, obviously. Uh, but just, uh, you know, our, our kids appreciated that. And, 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 you know, you had said about Tim's demeanor on the sideline was always pretty serious. And, and when he came to Boiling Springs, one of the things I enjoyed most um, was to see him in a different light. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have to be that serious. And he would stand around, you know, while the guys are getting water and he would tell jokes and, and, you know, the banter with them. And, and uh, you know, it was awesome from our point of view. Um, you know, myself and Greg Williams came over from CV as well. And, Right. Um, it was just pretty awesome for us to get to see coach really enjoy those times and uh, just just be him and not not the coach Rimful that everybody else knew, but the coach that we knew. Right. Um, so it was just it was kind of cool to see. We're talking with Boiling Springs head coach Brad Zell and remembering coach Tim Rimful has been so influential to so many coaches. I think there's probably a half dozen head coaches now and just in the mid pen alone. Um, and others scattered throughout the country yeah. who, who worked under Tim Rufel at some point over 43 years of a tremendous, just an outstanding career. Uh, Coach, from my end, I, I just to elaborate on what you were talking about, I, I you know, it, it was it was funny how the retirement sort of story um, came about. I was at the game at Severance Field uh, at that November in 2012 and coming back, I got a pretty good drubbing from, from the Cougars. Mm. It was a, it was a tough physical game and you could sort of see coach on the side. Coach was obviously distraught over not only the performance, but it was a long season. It was uh, mm-hmm. a topsy turvy up and down. There were a lot of injuries that year and, and there was a lot of physical play. So, um, we were, we were just talking one-on-one at, at midfield. And he said, I think this is, this will be it, Eric. I'm retiring. And, and I, it, it was weird because, like, you don't, you know, the sports writer in you, you're just like, okay, oh my God, I got, you know. Yeah. But I was, I was honored that he told me. I was honored mm-hmm. that that's how he chose to do it. And I didn't, you know, I, I think at that point, you know, he 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 had maybe a smidge of respect for me. <laughs> so I felt I felt tremendously honored that that he told me, and I I talked to him maybe ten more minutes, and and um and they left on the bus, and and obviously we broke the story. Uh, about him, about him retiring, but that's, I, I think that's the kind of, you know, it was very, he was very matter of fact, but mm-hmm. like you said, he also told me in an interview, they said, I'm still going to be around. I'm still yes. going to go. And truth be told, I saw more of coach Rimful in the next three to four years at different events, mm-hmm. soccer events, volleyball, this and that, than I did during the football season. He was everywhere. He followed every team. And like you said, he, he religiously followed his daughters. He fought, you know, he, he just, he took in the whole scene and obviously helping you out too. He just enjoyed himself. You know, he finally yes, he sort of got a chance to enjoy himself. And, and for, for me, that was the greatest. I, I was so happy for him to get that opportunity. And obviously being part of your staff was a tremendous uplift for him as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I, I love I, I love the fact that he was so matter of fact. And but once you got to know him and sort of he, quote unquote, trusted you, 
Yes. Um, and, and you got a little respect from coach, which was a huge thing in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 he became a different person. He yeah. really became a different person. Yeah. You, I, I couldn't have said it any better. You're exactly right. When he, <clears throat> when he, uh, when he respected you and, and started to trust you, uh, he opened up a little bit and it, it was, uh, you know, it, it was different, but uh, that, it was not easy to get to that point. Right. No, it was not. Absolutely not. Well, coach, I, I think that's, um, I think that's great for us. I, I really want to thank you. Uh, for taking us um, through some of the memories that you have of Coach Rimfel. Uh, he will be sorely missed by the entire football community and obviously the entire Cumberland Valley community. Um, yes. Our condolences to his family, our thoughts and prayers to them. Um, we lost a giant in the sport. And mm-hmm. um, his his lessons and sort of his teachings – and that vaunted wing tee will continue <laughs> a long, long, long time. Yes. So, uh, thank you. Yes. Coach. Best of luck Absolutely. to the future. Thank you. Uh, we'll be seeing you here on the sideline shortly. All right. Thank you. Have a Thanks. good night, buddy. All right. Welcome back to the PA High School Football Report. My name is Jana Benstoder. I'm with Eric Epler. She just had uh, a, a remarkable conversation with Coach Bradzell at Boiling Springs, honoring the life of Coach uh, Tim Rimple and all that he left behind in his legacy. I unfortunately was unable to make the interview because I was covering a phenomenal field hockey game of Lower Dolphin versus Mechanicsburg. Lower Dolphin won two to one, uh, but Mechanicsburg gave the undefeated Falcons a run for their money. Um, so I am I'm sad to say I wasn't able to catch the uh, wonderful stories and memories and camaraderie that were shared about Coach who passed away. Yeah, it was a uh, Coach Sell is a, is a great, obviously a great friend uh, to Coach Renfro and his family. And, um, you know, there's so many coaches, uh, you know, I'm, I talked with Joe Heaton, uh, Mike Whitehead, who, who was uh, who basically succeeded Coach Renfro at Cumberland Valley, who's now an assistant coach at Shippensburg University. Um, Josh Oswalt, uh, who is now the current coach at Cumberland Valley. Uh, also began his coaching career uh, under Tim Rimfel and the list goes on and on and on. And it's just, it's just amazing. Um, you know, not only what coach Rimfel did on the field, but obviously just the, just the influence that he had in that entire community. And, and, and he did it at Bishop McDevitt at Trinity too, just in a, just in a shorter, shorter window. Um, you know, I got one year to play uh, for coach Rimfel and um, you know, I, I, we, we, we talked about my first, my first time meeting coach. Uh, it didn't go so well for me, but um, you know, and I, I'll, I'll write a little bit about that as well, but yeah, it, he was just a phenomenal person, phenomenal family man. And, you know, any, any positive word you could, you could say about a human being uh, Tim Riffle has actually earned it. Um, he'll be sorely missed. Absolutely. Anyone who is interested in reading uh, Epler's story, you can find it on penlive.com. So we are, we'll be wrapping up our session here. We're going to mailbag now. So uh, where are we with that? We're going to hit this one quick because I've been asked about it multiple times now in the first couple of weeks, um, trying to figure out the district three power rating. I am not going into the formula because it is listed on the district three website. You can go in there. 
get out your calculator, your abacus, whatever kind of uh, table you need. You need a big scratch pad. Um, but basically, the biggest thing about the District 3 power ratings um, that comes into play where people question it the most is the opponents. There's two components, your winning, your weighted winning percentage, which is basically your victories over your schedule and your opponent's weighted winning percentage, which is also their wins and losses against their opponents. So where your fluctuations come in, the, the greatest is through your opponents. That's 45% of the formula. The other side's 55%. What people don't get, don't really understand about it is your opponent's weighted winning percentage changes every week, depending on what your opponents do. So that's where your drastic changes come into play. If you are playing a 6A school, which arguably you get more points for, which you do, um, and they are 0-7 or 0-8, it doesn't help you as much. If they're 6-1 or 7-2, it helps you a great deal when you win those games. So that's where, that's where basically the biggest fluctuations come in. And that number changes every week. So whatever your opponent's doing is also important to yours. That, I think, is what most people miss about the power rating system. It was put in probably, oh, I would say at least 10, 11, 12 years ago now uh, to seed the tournaments, the district tournaments. Um, it's basically a um, mirror image of what District 2 was doing, uh, what District 1 was doing at the time. And it basically eliminates the, the guesswork. And the question about who should be a top seed, number two. They do things a little differently out west. Um, out west, you play your schedule, and then they bring all the coaches into a big ballroom, and they argue. And that's how they see their, their tournament. So we wanted to avoid that here in District 3, so they adopted the power rating system. I think all in all, it's been good. It's, it's a little tough. It's a little, uh, it's a little technical to understand. Um, but if you get that opponent's part, correct in your head you can kind of understand why the fluctuations are can be very very drastic and it showed up last year with with bishop mcdevitt missing out on the 4a playoffs even though they were five and zero at the time and you're thinking how's that how can that be possible it was that the teams that they beat um didn't have winning records so covid cost them an abbreviated schedule and it basically confined them to play the teams that were not very good with, with um, wins and losses. So they didn't get the necessary points to get in that top four. So that shouldn't be an issue this year uh, for teams. The brackets go back to normal and we tried to uh, get everybody in that's supposed to be in. I think, you know, 12 and six, a we're going eight in a couple of the classifications and then all the way down to just two teams qualifying in single a, cause we only have four total in the district. So, yeah, so there we go. That helps out. Hopefully that helps out. All right, so let's get into the games. But, uh, who are you watching this week locally? Locally, I'm going down to Franklin County. This is a big old howitzer. Waynesboro at Shippensburg, arguably the two best teams in the mid-pen colonial after a month of the season. Uh, it might be contrasting styles. It might be similar. Waynesboro loves to run the ball. Obviously, Mikel Holden's had a great, great uh, first half, first month of the season. Uh, Shippensburg has kind of opened things up a little bit. They're kind of more passive. Tucker Chamberlain, the quarterback's gotten a lot more comfortable under center. They're winging it around a little bit. Big old Anthony Smith on the other side 
We talked to him last week. Um, it should be a barn burner. This should be a great game. It was a tight one last year. 22-20, I believe, was the final score, Waynesboro. So uh, I'm interested to see who comes out with a dub in that one. Exciting. Statewide. Statewide, we got a couple. It's not a it's not a fantastic schedule statewide um, where you have maybe four and O's going against four and O's. Um, but in District Four, which is upriver, Mount Carmel is three and one. They're playing at Southern Columbia four and O. Normally, we would just pencil in Southern Columbia. They've been the number one team for I don't know. It seems like for twenty eight straight years. It's just amazing. Tigers, though, had to survive a real scare last year, last week against Wyoming area. They came all the way back from 24-7, were down again, and came back and won 37-7 last week over Fantastic. Wyoming area. That's a 3A school, but Mount Carmel's, you know, Mount Carmel's slowly been gaining steam here, and this is going to be a monster, monster game. There might be 10 Gs at this game. They're going to sell a lot of funnel cakes and French fries. <laughs> I can tell you that in Catawissa. Mark it down. If you want French fries, get to the booth or the kiosk Sold out. trailer early because they won't have any more potatoes. Uh, <laughs> lastly, it's Pittsburgh Central Catholic, who's 3-1. and one. They're at North Allegheny. This is just a Titan 6A matchup in the Whippeal out in Pittsburgh. Um, this could be this could be actually a preview of the Whippeal title game. Um, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, I believe, is ranked 2 in 6A, and North Allegheny was bounced out early. They're looking to get back in. So that should be a huge, huge matchup. Exciting. Once again, week five. Um, so as we're, we're wrapping things up here, uh, we would just like to say, you know, our condolences to Coach Tim Rimple's family, anyone who knew him, his colleagues, uh, everyone, the life that he's touched, the lives that he's touched. Our condolences to you. Um, we will keep you in our thoughts. Uh, to that end, everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy football. And uh, we'll see you on the field. <laughs>